More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So like many of you, I used to suffer from insomnia. No matter what I did, I just couldn't get a perfect night's sleep. Well, then I met Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. He got me fitted for my very own MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962. Use the promo code Sean to take advantage of Mike's two-for-one offer. Now, MyPillow is made right here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And by the way, you can even wash it and dry it. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962, promo code Sean, to get Mike's special two-for-one offer. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So I said about the women of The View that they've got like... Well, except for Jedediah, four Rosie O'Donnells on that program now, and apparently got back to them, and yes, we have an invitation to be on The View. I'll deal with that later in the program today, but I'm I'm leaning towards it. My staff is livid, absolutely insane. They're going apoplectic at the idea that I'm even giving this consideration. They're, like, disappointed in me. Well, what do you think I am, a potted plant, and I'm just going to sit there and take that nonsense? You know, there's an article actually today that came out, I and mean, we've been chronicling a, a lot of this, um, how people just are losing their minds. The Newsbusters has a piece out, watch your uterus. You know, as, uh, what, do they, what do they think? Donald Trump is going after the uterus? I mean, I'm reading this whole thing. The panel blamed Trump for mi- taking away people's health insurance uh, already before warning that Mike Pence was going to take away women's rights. And LGBT rights. Well, what are they going to do? Send a send Mike Pence's army into your bedroom, just like <clears throat> Chucky Schumer suggesting that starting in January, Republicans declared war against the old people. And all our friends down at the villages in Orlando, I've told you, you better start dusting off your muskets and, and get those get those old pistols from World War II out because you're going to need them. It's ridiculous. 
It's just fear-mongering on a ridiculous notion. And, you know, I think if they think that that is what is going to happen, they're nuts. But I think it's all part of, you know, they're all in a collective meltdown mode here. And, you know, they're talking about conversion therapy. And they're talking about he has a lot of legislation against the LGBT. It's personal. It's a big issue for me. And I'm like, doom and gloom. You know, you have Van Jones PR firm so upset at the election results. They're working with Republican electors, the Electoral College, to get them to vote against Trump. You have women now so upset they are suffering from electile dysfunction. And they no longer have a sex drive. We read that to you yesterday. And as a means of empowerment, women all across the country are racing out to the local drugstores and grocery stores and they're buying different hair colors like natural black by Garnier. Like this woman, Juliana Evans, she ran to her drugstore. She was like, ah, F it. You know, the election deadened my soul. I think I wanted to do something defiant so I could feel stronger. And on top of that, you've got Daniel Salon, Daniel Salon in D.C., The disastrous effects of the Trump era are now too real. Americans are reeling in all sorts of insidious and subtle ways. And and when you see that much blonde hair on the floor, you know something horrible is happening. And that you see those straw-colored locks lay there and shattering the hearts of Americans' children because the election has caused a tsunami of women demanding drastic changes to their hair color, according to a report in New York Magazine. Hairdressers are reporting an increase in women going to extremes, either black or platinum, anything but brown, Melania's color. Experiencing a weight gain? Call it November 8th gain. Post-election blues are causing some people to gain the Trump 10, says weight loss doctors, according to a report in People. 10 pounds in less than a month? It's vital to eat quickly so as to store up fat against the coming wave of food shortages. Donald Trump seemingly gaining control over every mouth in America. I'm not making this up. And it gets worse. What do you do here? Valerie Jarrett, Trump's victory was soul crushing. A punch to the stomach. Tina Fey is warning America, prepare for a Nazi America under Donald Trump. We're going to proceed with any kind of dignity if we're going to in an increasingly ugly world. I've got to write something, but we're in a world where the president makes fun of handicapped people and fat people. How do we proceed with dignity? You know, and then she goes on to warn about, you know, read the Nazi filmmaker, 800-page autobiography, and then call it a, a year. I'm like, really? She also rolled with the punches. Well, he's the Fuhrer, she said. He's my president. I'll make films for him. She did something ter- terrible, terrible things. I remember reading... Her book 20 years ago thinking, this is a real lesson to be an artist who doesn't roll with what your leader is doing just because you're a leader. Michael Moore, Republicans in Congress will pass an onslaught of suffering on the American people. I don't know what else to say. Lena Dunham. Poor Lena. Look at this picture of Lena Dunham. She's in a bathroom rolled up in a ball with... I I don't even know how to describe this accurately. I mean, looking like she's in a mental institution because of what's happening. Oh, my God. Donald Trump picked three generals, three military guy to work for him. Oh, my gosh. 
This is a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. David Brock, he now wants a Breitbart on the left because he feels they need to be more liberal, more radical, more socialist, more extreme. Anyway, that's enough of that. That's about all I've got. They're so nuts. Although I love that music. That music is so good. It really does put a chill on your spine, doesn't it? Ann Coulter, I don't know She wrote when she wrote this column, but it's right along with what I was saying last night on Hannity. None of these people are going to be Donald Trump's friends. Don't think that they are your friends. And there's every indication. I mean, Trump's approval rating now is soaring in the post-election. He's viewed favorably now by 50%, up from 33% in August. A plurality of 47% want congressional Democrats to mostly go along with the Trump agenda that Republicans have put forth in the first year of his presidency. Only 28% say they should mostly oppose. Well, because Americans probably want to see some progress in their country and in their lives after eight stagnant, horrible, atrocious years of Obama. They're sick of it. Trump vows to call every CEO whose company is planning on leaving America. Now, what's so bad about that? Hannity's is this economic fascism. I saw a conservative write that. I'm like, it's not economic fascism. He's saying to the CEOs, hey, hold on. Tell me the regulations that you need help with. What's hurting your business? Does a 15% corporate tax rate help you in your business endeavors? If we create a better economic environment to stay here, is it in your best interest? That's all that really is. So he's pledging to call CEOs. Well, it worked. Why not do it again? He's got a promise of $50 billion, 50,000 jobs, 1,100 carrier jobs. Why not call and explain what he plans to do for the economy and how he plans to roll back regulations, burdensome regulations by government, how he plans to create a corporate environment where, yeah, they can make a bigger profit. And, yeah, they don't have to build overseas. And, yeah, there are a lot of Americans out of work, and we want to put Americans back to work. What is so bad about any of that? But in some people's minds, it's too much. If you really want to see the left outrage, the we have some pretty funny news on Donald Trump's pick to head the EPA. Uh, this is what Chris Cuomo said on uh, CNN this morning when five people were watching. Only fossil fuel friendly. We know that. But he, you know, he hasn't denied um, global warming. He, he says it's said, far from settled. He says the science. That is means he's not accepting he's the saying, science. Right. No, no, that's the science not. is acceptable. It's okay, okay to question it. It's okay right. to question it. That's different. Either you accept the science or you don't. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the new he sees nuance where you see black and white that it's either ninety nine percent of the scientific community says global warming. CNN is impacted says the number is ninety percent. But here's the deal: Republicans, a lot of Republicans, and certainly something like thirty percent of voters, and they voted for Trump, agree with him. And they think that in terms of the predictions and the forecasts, this is where he, it comes in that it's far from settled. The predictions in the forecast. People thought the world was flat. Yes. People thought blacks and whites shouldn't marry. People mm-hmm. thought blacks shouldn't be equal. That doesn't mean that you accept it as fact as a leader. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go from there. And there's Chris Cuomo. You know, Chris, did you ever maybe think that all your anti-Trump ranting and raving is resulting in nobody wanting to hear a word of what you have to say? And you know, comparing. The EPA pick Scott Pruitt to a flat earther segregation is maybe just a little bit extreme in your language. Maybe you've gone off the top. Maybe Tina Fey. Maybe we should get rid of all Nazi analogies altogether, right? 
I said this about conservatives that did this during the the early Obama years. I'd watch these people on TV and hear them on radio, and they'd be one Nazi comparison after the other. I'm like, okay, everyone needs to take a deep breath. No one was more critical of Obama than me leading up to 08. But we have survived, haven't we? And hopefully now we can begin the process of undoing the damage and thriving. And I was a little concerned, I've got to be honest, when I saw global warming fraudster Al Gore show up at Trump Tower the other day for a meeting that was supposed to be with Ivanka Trump. And then we find out Gore spent most of the time with the president-elect, and Gore came out saying the meeting went well. And the last thing I wanted to see was Donald Trump and Al Gore getting on global warming. Then, thank God, I read today that he even met with Leonardo Learjet Limousine DiCaprio, who wants all the rest of us to ride our bicycles while he tools around in a 400-foot yacht and flies from New Year's in Australia to Vegas on a private jet, and he's lecturing us about the lives we live. Well, I'm happy to report that any concern that Trump was going soft on these global warming hoaxers, uh, hoaxers was completely unfounded. The guy just tapped ahead the EPA is, is being ripped to shreds by the New York Times today as a climate change denialist what that he didn't buy into when they first said that a new ice age is coming in the 70s which evolved into al gore suggesting the earth was burning up and had a fever and we need to treat it like we treat our child with a fever what are we going to give the earth give the earth advil or tylenol you know what's that what how do you treat the planet i mean now they've just gone to a generic term which is Climate change, because if it's too hot, they can always say that's climate change, too cold climate change, tsunamis, climate change, no tsunamis, climate change. If it snows, climate change. If it doesn't snow, climate change. If it's an extra cold winter, climate change. If it's a warm winter, climate change. I mean, they just there's no evidence, but they would have you suggest it's all in. The planet has a fever. Yeah, planet has a fever. You got to treat it like you would your own child. So anyway, so in spite of meeting with Learjet Leonardo DiCaprio and and what's the what's the jet that Gore we caught him in two thousand and ever oh Gulfstream Gore Learjet Leonardo and Gulfstream Gore anyway say goodbye to climate gate con jobs like Solyndra Trump's not going to be pouring any more tax dollars into windmills that can't light a flashlight and Chinese solar panels that wear out in three years. We've tried that experiment. We wasted a fortune. And Al Gore financially benefited from all this crap. And maybe he thought that he heard something else during the Trump meeting. But anyway, President-elect Donald Trump has selected Scott Pruitt, Oklahoma Attorney General, close ally of the fossil fuel industry. <gasps> Do you realize without energy, we have no economy? And energy is the lifeblood of our economy. It provides you heat in the winter and cool in the summer. And it provides all of your transportation needs. By the way, not a moment too soon. Anyway, the New York Times reports it this way. Mr. Pruitt, a Republican, has been a key architect of the legal battle against Obama's climate change policy actions that fit the president-elect's comments during the campaign. And Trump has criticized the established science of human-caused global warming as a hoax and vowed to cancel the Paris Accord committing nearly every nation to taking action to fight climate change. By the way, you know what that means? That the U.S. pays all the money and all these other countries don't do a thing 
and they burn more fossil fuels, pollute the environment more than the United States ever has dreamed of. Anyway, Pruitt agrees with those views. Anyway, he's a 48-year-old conservative activist, one of a group of Republican attorney generals who found an alliance with some of the nation's top energy producers to push back against the Obama regulatory nightmare agenda. Fossil fuel interests greeted Trump's election with elation. Thank God. That's smart. In spite of that, Michael Moore is urging Democrats to disrupt the Trump inauguration. All right, we'll get to all of that today. And your calls. We're going to get to a lot of calls today. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to call in, be a part of the program. We'll get to you in the next half hour and much more. Okay, winter is on the way. And if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat. And that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action. Number one. And I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat. And wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CVS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because they are the best. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look, look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Is that people think that Donald Trump is a clown? Do- Donald Donald Trump is a clown. I mean, does anybody seriously think that Donald Trump is serious about running for president? Donald Trump, you know, he's a clown. Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. Basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end? This is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. The strongest person usually isn't the loudest one in the room. So right now we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80 percent favorite. We have different versions of forecasts you can look at. Poll has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally, 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio, Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. 
What? But come on, come on, buddy. We have a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's it. I project Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, while we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas, with its six electoral votes, Nebraska, with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming, with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. You know, that's my favorite of all times. Uh, saw a lady last night, won't give you the circumstances of it, and she literally told me to F off. She goes, F off. Now, her husband actually said, uh, congratulations, this is how it all got started. I said, yeah, he goes, congratulations, it was a great, you know, victory for Donald Trump, and I know you were supporting him, and he said, congratulations, and I said, yeah, thank God. She goes, what? I said, thank God. She goes, F you. Woof. Where did that come from? So I, without missing a beat, you know what I said? Merry Christmas to you, too. And then that, you could just see just visceral, solar plexus anger coming at smoke flying out of this woman's ears about the election. I'm like, really? Where did that come from? I'm such a nice guy. I want everybody to like me. I really do. I felt like making her some hot cocoa. I should have gotten her a dress and sent her some Play-Doh. Why are you nodding your head that I enjoyed that too much? Why? Go ahead. Address no, it. No, I find it very funny. You know, the tolerant left, they're so tolerant. They appreciate everyone's individual ideas except for when you don't agree with them. And then all of a sudden at a festive holiday engagement, they can turn around, spat off, and curse you out when they don't even know who you are. It's pretty bad. It's been insane, actually. I think you should send her some lavender bubbles and let her soak for a I while. don't even know what her name actually, is. Actually, maybe she can use the same bathroom as Lena Dunham. Maybe they can get in that stall together and yeah, cry Get in together. the stall and cry and roll up lavender in a ball. Lavender bubbles, little cookies and milk. It'll be great. Little cookies and milk. It's charming. It's charming. It's, it's the whole, precious. It's what the whole world should do. It's very Remember that Michael Jackson, that interview with Martin Bashir? That was so creepy. I don't remember that, thank God. You really don't remember this? So Martin Bashir does this, and, and he asks him, well, why do you have children sleep in your bed that you're not related to? I, I mean, it was, it, we actually have it. Listen to this. When you say bed, Dead. you're thinking sexual. sexual. They make that sexual. It's sexual. not sexual. No. We're going to sleep. sleep. I tuck them in. Tuck we them play, in. I put a little music on. Little music. A little story time. I read a book. A little grabby-pabby. We put the fireplace on. Yeah. Give them hot milk. Hot milk, cocoa. Give you them know, cookies. It's cookies. very charming. Charming. Very sweet. Sweet. Oh, it's what the whole world should do. What's wrong with sharing a love? You don't sleep with uh, your kids or some other kid who needs love? That that creeps me out on such a level I can't even tell you. That is so creepy. That is so weird, so bizarre. And you still see all of these these specials about Michael Jackson all over television, like on VH1 and all these other music networks. And like he's such a genius. No, he was a creep. Oh, that's so creepy. Bizarre. All right, Adam in Montclair, New Jersey, a Democrat's mad on me, mad at me. What's up, uh, Adam? How are you? Listening to the all-new AM710. What's going on? Hey, Sean. Uh, 
Thanks. Uh, first of all, I want to say the lady who took the screen call, she's very nice. Um, she's doing a good job. And uh, That's Lauren. That's Sunshine. Call. By the way, I stole her dog. Treat is in here with me because Treat prefers to be in the studio with me during the show. Treaty, come here. Yeah. Come here, Treaty. Good girl. She's really Get over here, Treaty. She's really good girl, Treaty. What a good, what a good dog. Yeah. All right. Down, Treat. Down. No, no. Lauren gets mad. You're going to fail your test, Treat. <laughs> She's trying to train him to be a service dog, and Treat's not going to make it. Well, well, she's doing a great job, and I appreciate you giving me a chance to speak to you, even though uh, I, you know, I express my that I'm independent. Um, and basically, I just wanted to, you know, I don't. It frustrates me, you know, for somebody who says you love the country so much and it's all about the country. Like, how you're, you were so hard on Obama, you know, for, you know, you're so hard on him, and it almost seems like Trump can do no wrong. And, and I just want to say one thing, real quick. Well, can I just, can I just, let's go over this for a second. Okay, I warned. Really quick, really quickly. Go ahead. I'll let let you talk and you can cut me off. All right, I'm not trying to cut you off. No, I know, but I appreciate it, I know. Uh, All I want to say is yesterday I was watching your show and you said that I cannot see one piece of evidence where Obama eight years, any statistic that he helped the economy. Okay, give me one, give me, give me one that works. Okay. Let me just go down the list. Um, okay, ready? Go. In, the guy came in, obviously, ridiculous uh, financial situation in the, in the country. All right, now, a lot of jobs. Adam, stop. stop, stop Adam, 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 stop for a second. Let me, Adam, hang on. I'm going to tell you how we're going to play this game. You give me a statistic where things are better instead of giving me this long lead up. We all know what the economic conditions are, but now he served eight years as president. Give us the measurement by which you judge his economic policy as a success. Go. Okay. Stock market. Stock market was at 6,000. It went down 2,000 points when he first came in. Uh-huh. And now it's at, we all know, record record level, 19,000. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the 50 million people that are on food stamps and the 50 million people that are in America that live in poverty and the 95 million Americans out of the labor force, do you think they give a flying rip about the stock market? Yes or no? No. Thank you. Okay, what's the next statistic? Go. Um, unemployment rate. The unemployment, I mean, listen, you're going to judge... Donald Trump based on that unemployment statistic. I know you have 95 million out of the labor force, but when the when the unemployment rate goes down to two percent under under Donald Trump, you're going to give him credit for that. Okay, number one, at, number one, I'm I'm not going to look at the unemployment rate. I'm going to look at the labor participation rate numbers. And since Obama's been president, we now have the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. And if you want to be bamboozled by the unemployment rate number that doesn't count people that are chronically long and unemployed, chronically out of work, that can't seek jobs or gave up looking for jobs because there are no jobs, then you can live in your world of Alice in Wonderland. I choose not to live there. And, you know, when it's the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, we ought to pay attention. Don't you think that's a bad number for the country? Of course not, but I, I look you don't at think, I look oh, country, you don't I you don't think it's a well. you don't think the lowest labor participation rate since the seventies is a bad number? 
it's the no, it's a bad number. It's definitely all a right, bad number. Got it. So you agree. All right, I, I ready? Just, I Next. Was, all right, hang on. Ne- well, let's keep going. Okay. We're playing the game. Next statistic. Go. Right. Next statistic. Um. Uh huh. Look at uh-huh. the. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Hold on. The uh. Hold on. Uh, hang on, Jason. Keep playing the music. He's got to think. Give him time. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um. Uh-huh. Look at. Uh-huh. The gas gas prices. Gas prices in the in the country have gone down. Whoa, whoa, what places? Gas, gas prices. Gas prices. And do you know why yeah. gas prices have gone down? Do you know anything about what Saudi Arabia, yeah. OPEC, and the Middle East oil cartels yeah. have been doing? You understand that as soon as you understand that they have purposely dropped the prices to run American companies out of business so that we won't tap our own natural resources, and that which which business are you referring to? Well, I'm talking about the whole entire fracking industry, the shale oil industry, the oil industry. Well, Obama has done fracking. Okay, no, actually, no, he's not he supported has, it. No, well, no, has, 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 no, that would be the wrong answer. No, wrong. And because we have more natural gas, you see, I think in spite of whatever OPEC does, that we ought to go forward with our own energy independence so we don't have to count on the Saudis you know, the people that kill gays and lesbians and tell women how to dress and women can't drive and Christians and Jews are persecuted. You don't want to rely on them for our, the lifeblood of our yeah, economy. Do, wait a minute. You don't want to rely on Saudi Arabia and other countries for the lifeblood of our economy, which is energy, do you? No, I don't. Okay, next one. I go. Ready, I... go. Um, uh, let's see. I, I, I know some, I know, uh, top of my head, um. Mm-hmm. Just uh, take your time. Don't, no, don't rush. Don't put pressure on yourself. Take your time. Okay. All right. All right. Um, looking at recently, they have said that um, incomes for medium wage families have gone up a little bit. A little bit, they've gone up. No, that's actually, that, that, the median income has gone down about five thousand dollars. Let me give you some other statistics. Let me help you out on the other side of that. Very simple. Okay, one in one in six Americans, eighteen to thirty-four, now are either in jail or living in mommy's basement. Uh, one in five American families don't have a single member of the family in the labor force. Lowest labor participation rate in seventy since the seventies. Lowest home ownership rate in fifty-one years. Worst recovery since the forties. Thirteen million more Americans on food stamps. Eight million more in poverty. Um, when you look at those numbers, do you really think Obama's been successful or not? Okay, I have another one. I have another fact. No, no, no. Okay. You, you got to answer my question. I just get. Wait, wait, wait. I guess get, we got to. You got to play the game. Okay. I just gave you my facts. Do those? Do, okay. uh, is that an impressive record in your mind? Listen, all presidents have their down. No, no, no. I'm asking you a very direct question. I gave you the statistics. They're just reality. So I'm asking. Does that not persuade you that Obama's done a horrible job on the economy? Uh, Mr. Hannity, no, those are not good facts. But we have to be fair to okay. the man. Uh-huh. You have to be fair to him. I mean, he did not do a horrific job. And if you look at corporations... I have one last statistic. He accumulated more debt than every other president before him combined. Is that good? Hit it. So I, yeah. I I don't know the fact. I don't I don't know that specific. Well, the well the the federal they, they, the federal debt the federal debt was a ten trillion. Now it's twenty trillion, and he accumulated more debt than forty three other presidents. That's not really good, right? 
Okay. So unless so, based on your based on what you say, if you're rich and you had a lot of money in the stock market, then you're doing great. Otherwise, screw you. Okay, I appreciate it. I just wanted to make sure. All right, uh, Donna, Staten Island, real quick, Donna. Hi, I hi. Instead of uh, MAGA, M A G A, I have a new one. What? M L H E, making liberal heads explode. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. It's pretty much happening on its own. We don't have to precipitate it, you know. And it's, it's delightful to watch, isn't it? Oh my God, it's so funny! It's, it's so awesome. funny. It's my Christmas present. Well, look, I mean. You know, the thing is, is they're in total freakout mode over nothing. This is to be a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to f***ing kill myself, and I'm literally. not kidding. You better f***ing fix this sh- right now. I literally am going to die. I need an ambulance. Hey, Jason, I, in the spirit of Christmas, want to reach out to that girl. Can we find her? Lauren, I'm going to put you on a mission. Find that girl, and I want to see if I can offer her help. I want to see if she's gotten the help that she needs. She's reaching out, crying out, screaming out for help. And I think it would be the the nice Christmas spirit thing to do to help that young lady. Maybe I'll send her Sherry's Berries for Christmas. Anything that will make her happy again. You know, she can gain the the Trump 10. If If you've gotten fat since the election, it's not your fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. He won. It's sort of like Bush derangement syndrome. If the dog bites, if the bee stings, if you're feeling sad, if you have a hangover after you drink too much, it's not your fault. It's Trump's fault. He did it. There's a profound argument about whether his influence was for the better or for the worse. And that really is the challenge that faces him. The country came through this election season more divided conspicuously, publicly, than at any time through any election cycle that most of us can remember. For those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know, that isn't going to make you feel better. And so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. I'll be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I'll take them back from China, from Japan, from Mexico, which is doing an incredible job. Their leaders are much smarter than our leaders. They're taking tremendous industry. How do you keep them? You keep them by... Because the labor's cheap, that's why they go. For one thing, you keep them by talking to them. When somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? I will tell you that United Technologies and Carrier stepped it up, and now they're keeping, actually, the numbers over 1,100 people, which is so great, which is so great. We're going to have a lot of phone calls made to companies when they say they're thinking about leaving this country because they're not leaving this country. They're not going to leave this country, and the workers are going to keep their jobs. And they can leave from state to state, and they can negotiate good deals with the different states and all of that. But leaving the country is going to be very, very difficult. I just think that they are selling a lie, this lie that the jobs can come back. The jobs are not going to ever come back. I would like to tell him thank you for... uh Going out of your way and taking your uh, holiday uh, away from your family and uh, working on the carrier and employees deal and uh, sticking to your word and going to bat for all of us at carrier and and keeping our jobs here. He's got nothing serious to offer on jobs. We're going to bring jobs back and Ow. we're going to do something else. 
We're going to keep jobs in this country. We're not going to have carrier air conditioning. Think they're going to move to Mexico, make air conditioners, send them back here, lose all these jobs, How? pay no tax when they send, and hurt our country. So that's not going to happen. How? So we're going to do that. But you know the other thing? How? It's very simple. We're going to put, we're going to make them pay. There's going to be consequences. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is, he doesn't have an answer. This is Masa of SoftBank from Japan, and he's just agreed to invest $50 billion in the United States and 50,000 jobs. And he's one of the great men of industry, so I just want to thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. The only people, by the way, that can't seem to applaud $50 billion and 50,000 jobs and 1,100 carrier jobs are either the never-Trumpers or the Democrats. Now, you might say, Hannity, they've incentivized. This happens every day by every governor in every state. And if you look at the case that we highlighted this week of Joe Max, Joe Max Higgins, the guy from the Golden Triangle who is in Mississippi, and he brought a tire plant to his state and He brought an engine production company to his state, and he brought a steel mill to his state, and he brought a drone manufacturer to his state. you got to say, that just is smart. And at the end of the day, after they took a little risk, not a lot. I mean, yeah, sewers are expensive, and it's expensive to build roads, but it's not that expensive. And they did it inexpensively because they had to because they didn't have the extra money to throw around because so many people in the Golden Triangle were unemployed. But – They built it, they built the roads, they built the sewers, and in particular, they built the extra power grid that actually made the deal possible with the steel company that now has created about 1,300 jobs in the Golden Triangle. And they decided to build there because there was that partnership. Is that a certain investment? of That, to me, is the best use of government money. Now, they've got, they're now getting a million dollars in tax revenue that they never saw before. They only projected that they get $250,000 a year in a best-case scenario. And so they've got all of their investment back, and they're making more money than they ever dreamed of, which means that he's going to fly around Joe Max and his helicopter a little bit more and see what other industries he can invite to the Golden Triangle. And personally, if we're going to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure, I'd, I'd love Joe Max to run it. Former Speaker of the House, Duke Gingrich, is with us. His best-selling book, of course, is called Treason. Saturday, um, this Saturday at 2 p.m., he's going to be at Mount Vernon sa- signing books. And uh, i got to give you a lot of crack. I keep hearing your crowds are massive at every one of these book signings. Congratulations. Uh, well, they've been amazing. Of course, Kristen and I both look forward to going to Mount Vernon, and she'll have Ellis the Elephant there for young people to get pictures with. So it'll be a really exciting time. And Frankly, uh, a lot of them are fans of yours. I, I Marco and will walk up to me and uh, talk about how much they like the two of us talking on radio or being on TV together. We were just at the Basilica. Was, uh, today's a holy day of obligation. And, yes. Uh, the number of people who walked up to me uh, who uh, were totally positive, totally engaged, and say, 
oh, I watch you on Fox all the time. It's really interesting. Well, you know, look, I'm going to be honest. I don't book a lot of people as regularly as I book you. And one of the reasons that, number one, our friendship. I mean, I think that plays a good part in the chemistry that we have both on radio and TV. Even when you make fun of me, I take it. It's fine. But in all seriousness, it's kind of what what the feedback I'm getting is that people are interested in our day-to-day analysis of all the events that are happening. And, you know, I think the first hundred days are going to be phenomenal and fascinating starting on day one. I'm assuming that Donald Trump is probably going to spend a lot of time in the Oval Office rescinding executive orders, and that's going to make me really happy. I I would argue 60, 70 percent of Obama's work the last eight years can be, you know, turned around with the stroke of a pen. Yeah, I think that the very way that Obama governed uh, guaranteed instability because he never worked with the Congress. He didn't get, you know, with the exception of one or two big things like Obamacare, he just didn't get the things in law that you, that you need in law if, in fact, you're going to have the the kind of stability and permanence that you ought to have. And that's because he was trying to move an extraordinarily radical agenda. The, o- uh, the only, and, uh, yeah. And, and by the way, then when Obamacare is overturned, then the only legacy he will have is, is accumulating more debt than 43 other presidents before him combined and the 100 judges that were approved since he's been president, which will have an impact. That will have an impact, but I think we'll gradually undo a lot of that and replace, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the Trump imprint on the Supreme Court is going to be decisive, but just as we warned that Hillary would be shaping the court for 40 years or more, I think we can now be excited by the opportunity for President-elect Trump to shape the court for 40 years or more, and that, that will have a huge out-year impact on uh, the whole nature of the, of the judiciary. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, Harry, it's very funny to watch President Obama. Now Obama's announced that he's going to go on a a sort of victory lap tour, just like Donald Trump. I think he's um, I think he's missing the spotlight already. And, you know, so he's going out there and he's giving speeches and people really aren't paying attention. And he's kind of old news. Harry Reid is doing pretty much the same thing. Harry Reid is even predicting that the 60-vote filibuster threshold for legislation in the Supreme Court nominees will ultimately disappear altogether. He's the one that changed the the nuclear option himself. I'm just a little concerned that Mitch McConnell won't have the same courage to do to them what they did to us. Well, I think, look, I think McConnell's job is to get things through the Senate. McConnell's a brilliant tactician. He understands the business as well as anybody. And my guess is he's going to deliver a lot of stuff for President Trump for the country. It, you know, I, I think he can outmaneuver the Democrats, but I also think it's very healthy, back to your earlier point about Obama, it's very healthy to have to go out and get a handful of Democratic votes. And if we can't write bills that are popular enough that the pressure of some Democrats to, to vote with us, they've got 23 who are up for re-election in 2018. And we should be able to organize in those states and have enough grassroots pressure that we can routinely pick up the Democrats we need. Uh, and I think that's just going to be part of, of how we think through this whole strategy. It's healthier for the country to have bipartisan bills. It actually makes for better legislation. And uh, it just requires we do some hard work down at the grassroots level explaining why what we're doing is important and uh, why uh, we need the help of the American people to get it done. You know, the opposition is growing louder. I mean, we've gone from 
aromatherapy, pet therapy, crayons, coloring books, and, and Play-Doh into, I think, a more angry stage. Over the weekend, you had anchors on CNN referring to Donald Trump as authoritarian, pretty much calling him a dictator without saying it. And then you had Chris Cuomo this morning comparing Trump's EPA pick to a flat earther and segregationist. Listen to this. Only fossil fuel friendly. We know that. But he, you know, he hasn't denied um, global warming. He, he says it's said, far from settled. He says the science. That means he's not true. accepting he's the saying, science. Right. No, no, that's not, is acceptable. It's okay to question it. It's okay right. to question it. That's different. Either you accept the science or you don't. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the new, he sees nuance where you see black and white that it's either Ninety-nine percent of the scientific community says global warming CNN is impacted by CNN says the number is 90 percent, but here's the deal. Republicans, a lot of Republicans, and certainly something like 30 percent of voters, and they voted for Trump, agree with him. And they think that in terms of the predictions and the forecasts, this is where he, it comes in, that it's far from settled. The predictions in the forecast. People thought the world was flat. Yes. People thought blacks and whites shouldn't marry. People mm. thought blacks shouldn't be equal. That doesn't mean that you accept it as fact as a leader. Now, I could argue here that what they're saying is insignificant, as that is the lowest rated morning show, barely showing up in Nielsen ratings. I, I could make that argument. But on the other hand, it is indicative of just how insanely bitter the left is now. Well, and I keep getting all sorts of reports about the, the bitterness of different shows on CNN, some of them are of outrageous. But, but let me make a, a general point for our audience that people tend to forget. Uh, you don't do percentages of scientists. Science is about proven fact and unproven fact. Science changes when the facts change. Uh, in at the turn of the last century, uh, there were two guys. Um, one of them was Albert Einstein and the other was Max Planck. They had a very radical interpretation of physics. Every senior physicist in the world thought they were crazy. And if you'd put it to a vote, you would have found in 1905 or so an enormous percent of scientists who would have said, these two guys are nuts. Now, it turned out that their theories were right uh, and that science had to change. Uh, but science is about whether or not it's factually right. It's not political science. This is where this, this nonsense, oh, 91% say X. Well, first of all, 91% of the people they're, that they're interviewing aren't climate specialists. They, they're, they're people voting the sociology of their profession. And the universities are so left-wing that you, you would be punished on most campuses if you got up as a faculty member and said that uh, you know global warming... Uh, was worthy of being uh, tested and thought through and wasn't automatic. And I, I just want to make that point that this is, the minute they say percentages, we are not talking about science. We're talking about sociology. Well, we also know that a lot of the data has been manufactured. I mean, they had the big scandal in, in Great Britain over the data that they had to artificially manufacture. But, you know, it goes deeper than that. I mean, these same people were telling us about global warming in the coming ice age, and it was on the cover of Time magazine in, in the 70s, and, and that was their science. And that evolved into global warming and, and Al Gore saying the earth has a temperature, it needs Advil. And you got well, I, I remember I remember in the 80s, Gore was very worried about nuclear winter. Yeah. And I always assumed he invented global warming as a way of thawing out nuclear winter. So there's sort of a balance in, in Gore's uh, mind. But you, you know, you uh, got to give him some some good grades for creativity because when when global cooling didn't work and the ice age is coming and the Earth is going to burn 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 apart, then they just came up with a generic term which is climate change. So that if it's too hot or too cold, I, if it snows well, or doesn't and the snow. The nice thing about Gore is that he invented the internet so all of us could communicate. <laughs> yeah, I about know his ideas. I mean, you know, 
and uh, I would say that, 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 that I think that it's perfectly reasonable to raise questions, and it's perfectly reasonable to want to look at data, and it makes you wonder why they're so scared on the left. And, you know, why does Cuomo have to be that frightened? Why is he afraid of an open discussion? Well, I mean, because in his mind, it's the equivalent of being a flat earther or a segregationist. You know what's so eerie, though? I mean, I guess politics in many ways just ne- in many ways never changes, and, and I just think back to when you first became Speaker, and you and I have discussed this, the same unhinged, off-the-hook, reactionary, extremist response is happening. I mean, now we're being told women are not sleeping with their husbands or boyfriends because of what happened on Election Day. Now we're told that teachers are giving their students hot cocoa. Now we're told that women are dyeing their hair dramatically to dramatically different colors in reaction to to empower themselves after Donald Trump's victory. I mean, this is all being written about. This all happened in 94. Uh, well, I mean, look look at the Time magazine, which reluctantly had to give Trump the cover as man of the year, person of the year. Ironically, they had two earlier covers. One showed him gradually melting down in August, and the other showed total meltdown in October. And then, of course, he won, which was sort of made those covers look stupid. Uh, but, but they actually are nicer and more positive about Hillary Clinton in defeat than they are about Donald Trump and victory. And it just gives you a sense of the bias. As I said to you, I really think we ought to start thinking about talking about the propaganda media rather than the news media. I mean, certainly that's what CNN has become, and that's what that Time Magazine piece is. It's, it's just propaganda. It's left-wingers sitting around together. The times have changed. Reality. They're not needed anymore. They're just not. I know. And, and people are making their choice with their eyeballs and with their ears and with their reading choices, and they're moving on. All right, Mr. Speaker, we'll see you tonight, but a reminder that you will be at Mount Vernon on Saturday at 2 p.m., and we'll put those details up on Hannity.com. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks. All right. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN. You know, a lot of things now going on in Washington that we're not paying attention to, and I know that we're a little bit giddy. We're a little bit happy. The House of Representatives wrapping up work for the year. What do they do? Pass another stopgap spending bill, uh, a major water resources package that the Democrats wanted, And they wanted that went through New York lawmakers grumbling about the money to offset NYPD spending on Trump security. But the Senate might screw around into tomorrow on the budget, maybe even into the weekend. But the House is kind of jamming them a little bit and they're leaving town. One of them hopefully leaving is Louis Gohmert. He needs to go home and take a shower after being in that city as long as he's been. How are you, my friend? As far as I know, I'm okay. Uh, a little bit depressed. Um, Why are you depressed? Yeah, I was Bill? thinking about uh, sticking around here because, uh, you know, one of the things we see is that when the uh, rank file members of the House or Senate leave, then uh, people can walk down to the floor when it's supposed to be just uh, de facto, hey, we uh, come in, we say the pledge, so we are in session. We take up some little mox next items. Uh, but the trouble is, uh, as happened uh, earlier, uh, when there wasn't any, just a couple people on the Senate floor, I was told, uh, somebody came in and said, I'd ask unanimous consent that we pass this uh, missing Alzheimer's disease patient alert program uh, without objection. And so there's no vote. It's just nobody there. And we've had that issue come up a number of times when John Boehner was speaker. And so some of us would try to get here early and stay late to make sure that in, before we went out of session or when we first came in and 
most people weren't here because we were told, oh, don't worry about it. We won't vote until such and such time. Well, they would come up and say, I'd ask unanimous consent to do pass this bill or pass that bill. And uh, this uh, missing Alzheimer's disease patient alert program, it sounds like a good idea. And nobody knows better than uh, some in my family uh, what it feels like to to not know where somebody you love is because uh, of, uh, you know, is, uh, mental disability, uh, brilliant, brilliant person uh, having issues of, um, in my mother's case, a brain tumor. And so it is good to uh, listen, uh, I, I know had a very... the, where those folks are. But we just passed a bill this morning. It's a, a they said, oh, it's just a reauthorization. No, this is this is putting us on track for a new system, and it's going to allow the federal government to track people. And they said, well, it's just for auti- autism, dementia, and Alzheimer's. Well, no, it says for uh, developmental disabilities. And Sean, that you could define that to include all kinds of things. The diagnostic statistics manual that so many, I mean, most every medical professional uh, relies on to name things, I mean, would say the del- developmental disabilities, those change all the time. They're added. And some say that if you have strong religious beliefs, uh, there's some that argue that is a developmental uh, disability. Let me let me stop you for a second here. This is H.R. 4919, which yes. is which will reauthorize and expand an expired federal program. It's called the Missing Alzheimer's Disease Patient Alert Program. Now, you're right. I, I happen to know friends of mine who's either parents or grandparents mm-hmm. sure. have or have had Alzheimer's. And I know of instances where the people go out in their cars and they get lost. They don't know how to get home. They don't, they don't remember. Home, right. All right. So and, but, and, but, and but, they, there are people who have wandered away uh, and, and then have been found dead. It does happen. It's tragic, absolutely tragic. So in the name of being a, you know, a good shepherd and a good Samaritan, we're going to start a federal tracking program because of this mental health issue. Well, Sean, if it's a mental health issue, why did they put the Attorney General, the Department of Justice, in charge of the program? The AG is going to make all the rules for this tracking program. They're going to decide what is the best practice, what you have to do, and then we're going to provide money to different areas to help them create these tracking programs. And some people, I mean, I made a living for a while as a judge and a uh, justice, a chief justice, so I have heard oral arguments from brilliant lawyers on what this word means, what this doesn't mean. And a lot of folks here do not get that. So when they're told, oh, Louie, you're overreacting because this, we say in the bill, uh, it cannot, nobody can have any of this tracking mechanism or chip or whatever it is. Uh, they can't have it added unless the parent or guardian agree. Well, it does say in here it's voluntary. But, Sean, once you create this federal tracking program, I can guarantee you there will be judges that, that some law enforcement or somebody will come before and say, Judge, we need, we need you know, this order. The parent or it, the guardian doesn't agree. Right, so you're, you're saying that it we would open. We need op- order, and it'll happen. Well, you're basically, let me put this in layman terms. You're suggesting, with maybe the best of intentions, Somebody with Alzheimer's who may have a a propensity to get lost, you want to be able to find them. 
maybe a child that is developmentally disabled, you may that may not find their way home. You want to be able to find them. The problem is, number one, we are making yet another federal entitlement. Number two, you are worried, and I think I share your concern about the idea that the attorney general or some judge would make a decision that the government gets to decide, oh, that person needs a tracking device. All of these devices are already available on the market very inexpensively. And if families choose to make that decision themselves, they can make it. That We would encourage them to do that. But you don't need a federal law that creates a federal program. And they say, but look, Louis, there's not going to be a federal database. And then they point to language, and I see the language that says no money from this bill, from this grant program, may be used to maintain a federal database. Well, it can be used from from any other uh, Department of Justice program. And not only that, uh, it, it... they are going to be able to have the database with state and local law enforcement. Of course, they'd share that with the feds. But then I get back to my office, I'm depressed because we had over 160 uh, Republicans, well-meaning. They just, oh, it feels good. Let's help somebody that's sick by creating an Orwellian tracking program. And my my office hands me this article from Yahoo News. Uh, Japan has just created... Uh, a barcode tag for their people with Alzheimer's or others that they want to track. Uh, but all you have to have is a change in majority, and you will be. But you'll be adding different people to this tracking program. Uh, you know, for long you'll hear. Well, all right, let me can't. move on for a second. I think we got this, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. And it's you know, it's part of my frustration with the Republican Party. It really is. So Donald Trump is now the president, right. and he got tepid support at best from leadership, if you even want to call it, you know, yep. any type of, of support. Um, I was very disappointed. Yep. So your fellow Texas Congressman Flores actually made a comment speaking on behalf of Paul Ryan that, well, why don't we just do the things that we agree with Donald Trump on? Like, mm-hmm. let's do the economic plan and let's do... Uh, build the wall, maybe. Yeah. Let's do, but let's put the more contentious things, the areas where we don't agree. Let's put those on the back burner so that maybe we'll do those later. Now, why do I suspect that the Republican establishment is setting Donald Trump up for failure, especially on some of the more controversial parts of his agenda, like the extreme vetting of refugees or deporting criminal aliens or actually building the wall in its entirety or sending education back to the states. I think most of the energy independence issues will be he'll be able to deal with through executive orders. But, you know, why can't why is it why do they think this is their agenda when he won the victory? His well, agenda. You say, why am I suspicious? Well, the reason you're suspicious is because we've seen that over and over. And I would go back to 2005 and 2006, my very first term, when Bush said, you know, we have got to reform Social Security or it's it's going broke. It won't be there for the next generation. And uh, you had uh, Speaker Hastert and you had uh, Majority Leader Frist. They said, yeah, we're going to do that. And also, we're going to throw out the tax code. We're going to massively reform uh, tax law. We're going to make it simple. And then a year later, they said, you know what? 
<laughs> we just can't get the the votes for you, George W. You know, sorry about that. We did the best we could. We have seen this before, and I'm afraid we're seeing it again. But when I asked uh, Bill Flores about that uh, today, he was saying, "Look, I, I didn't mean I want to, you know, rail, derail the Trump plan. I just mean, you know, there's some things he said he was for, like the government paying for health care and stuff. Uh, that, but we." agree on a lot of things and uh you know bill has said he was okay with having a wall in uh in a lot of places so uh, there are things we agree with let's get the easy things out of the way what really bugs me is like this bill today they do this to us our leadership this bill never had a legislative hearing in a subcommittee or committee it didn't get debated we didn't have a markup where we can bring amendments it came straight to the floor without any chance to be really examined and what it means and what where this could go and this happens far too often and it breaks my heart i literally i've been so depressed we we were going to come back and fund the government, keep that going. We weren't going to do any new programs. You know what I'm we, also worried about? I'm worried about a hundred. I'm sorry, a trillion dollars in infrastructure spending oh yeah. because and, because and you and I and you and I go, both oh. know, well, Louis. You and I both know that we get fifty cents on the dollar once it goes through the D.C. bureaucracy. Paul Ryan was asked on sixty Minutes, "How are we going to pay for it?" And he didn't give an answer. And I would like to, I, I don't mind rebuilding infrastructure, but I don't want the Washington bureaucracy, with all due respect, Louis, 535 power hungry uh, congressmen and senators trying to dig every penny back to their own district so they can kick back to their friends. I'd rather an outside entity manage the money and use it on projects that we need that will actually create jobs and pay as you go. We just eliminate the Clinton plan that forces them to use chemicals, then we wouldn't have to rebuild everybody's water plant. There are other ways to go here. Yeah. I mean, a, a, tr- a trillion dollars is a trillion dollars. Yeah. Now, maybe and we I can get by. Trump starts cutting these regulations, like the ones that are causing uh, uh, water filtration plants to forcing them to use chemicals that that ruined their water systems and allowed lead and other things to get in there. When we reformed the, the regulations like Trump says he's going to do, and I, Steve Moore, I was talking to him the other day, it's really exciting what he's going to do on day one. Then we won't need to rebuild everybody's water plant. So there's a lot to be no. done just that first day knocking out the ridiculous regulations. Are you happy with Trump so far? Yeah, so far. I mean, he's appointed a couple of people I really don't know, but uh, it, and I wasn't sure about uh, you know Mitch McConnell's wife. She's a brilliant lady, and she's uh, always been very pleasant. But I wasn't sure how that was going. But no, I, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing, and he's showing people he can be gracious when there were an awful lot of folks that said he never could be. But the real test comes, uh, you know, as soon as he's sworn in. You've talked about it. It's already starting. They're going to do everything they can to destroy him, to destroy well, his I agree, and uh, I, I didn't. Him. We can't give up the fight. We cannot roll over. It's too important what we've got to do here. I said last night in my opening monologue, if you want a friend, I'll get you another dog in Washington. You're not going to have friends there. End of sentence. But, Louie, we love you, and hopefully you'll be filling in uh, soon on this program. I know my audience loves you, Uh and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Keep us up to speed on everything that's going on there. You are our voice there, and we appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have people stay in By the way, do me a favor. Join the Freedom Caucus. I want you in the Freedom Caucus. 
Well, but they have a rule that if 80% agree on something, then 100% have to vote that way. And if that had, if the Freedom oh. Caucus had been there January 2015, I would not have been able to lead the charge against Boehner. Well, they need to get rid of that rule. They gotten 24 people to vote against Boehner, and I'll that's call. what laid the groundwork for getting rid of him. Okay, that's a fair point. All right, but you're like an honorary member then, like me. I'm an honorary well, listen, member. Listen, we consult on everything, and oh, we're, we're – you know, we're joined at the hip on virtually every issue right. that comes up. Louie, I got a uh, roll, bud. Thank you. Louis Gohmert, Congressman, Texas, 800-941-SEAN. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look, look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Is that people think that Donald Trump is a clown. Do- Donald, Donald Trump is a clown. I mean, does anybody seriously think that Donald Trump is serious about running for president? Donald Trump, you know, he's a clown. Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. So basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end? This is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. The strongest person usually isn't the loudest one in the room. So right now we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80 percent favorite. We have different versions yeah, of the forecast you can look at. Poll has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally, 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio, Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. But, but come on, come on, buddy. We have a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's it. I project Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, uh, we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas, with its six electoral votes, Nebraska, with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming, with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business.
A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. All right, news roundup information overload. Collective media meltdown. That's the only way to describe it. I mean, and now an obsession with fake news. Now an obsession with calling Trump as close to a Nazi as they can. Well, as a matter of fact, they even go that far in certain instances, which shouldn't surprise anybody. This is who they are. And what have I been talking about today? Oh, you got Van Jones interviewing Michael Moore. That's the new CNN lineup. And Van Jones PR firm working with Republican electors of the Electoral College to vote against Donald Trump. You literally have women saying that they're suffering from electile dysfunction and to empower themselves from the depression they now find themselves in, they are changing their hair color and it's become a a huge tsunami of women demanding these changes of their hair so they can once again empower themselves. You got commentators making comments about worrying about their uteruses and this is on top of everything else that we have discussed. They're now calling a weight gain the Trump 10. It's the November 8th weight gain. And if you gain 10 pounds since Trump won, well, it is because of your reaction to what has happened here. Add aromatherapy, pet therapy, dog therapy, cat therapy, crayon therapy, coloring book therapy, Play-Doh therapy, and you have a total meltdown. This is going to be a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to f***ing kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better f***ing fix this right now. I literally am I need an ambulance. That was a Bernie supporter. And then, of course, we come such a long way from 2008, where we were going to have our mortgages paid for free. We were going to have free gasoline. Just go up to the gas station and say, I'm I'm on the Obama plan. I, I did something for him. I voted for him. I never thought this day would ever happen. I won't have to worry about putting gas in my car. I won't have to worry about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help him, he's going to help me. Oh, there's such a blessing to see you, Mr. President. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Oh, gracious God, thank you so much. You got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He gave us a phone. He gave you a phone. How'd he give you a phone? You sign up if you're on full stamps, you on Social Security, you got low income, you disability. Hey, I'm question. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Hey! All right, then Chris Cuomo over at CNN comparing Trump's EPA pick to a flat earther and segregationist. Tina Fey, according to Newsbusters, is warning prepare for Nazi America under a Donald Trump presidency. Michael Moore, Republican Congress, will pass an onslaught of suffering. Well, actually, Michael, that happened under Obama's reign, but, you know, why bother? Then you've got the women of The View. Watch your uterus. The View's wacky predictions. Whoopi Goldberg. You know, she goes goes on and says, I think he's going to get a little more attention when people start opening their envelopes and seeing those letters about their insurance, dropping them because they're losing their, well, what we call Obamacare. It's hitting the fan. People are starting to get it. People are starting to get those emails, the letters, and oh, by the way, we're not going to be taking care of this anymore because we don't have to. Watch out for your uterus is the headline at Newsbusters. And then we got Lena Dunham. Did you see Lena in the bathroom crawled up in a ball next to the toilet paper? Okay. It's insane. Well, one person that's actually following this from a sane point of view is Joe Concha of The Hill. And uh, he's one of the few media people that have not freaked out like your peers. You notice there's a little bubble of the media reporters and they're all buddies with each other and they all retweet each other. You're not in that circle, I noticed. You know, Sean, you're exactly right. It's this vicious circle, at least in the media reporter world, of Washington Post media reporter and the Politico media reporters and the CNN media reporters. All they do is retweet each other's stuff and congratulate each other all day. That's a microcosm of exactly 
exactly what's wrong with the media today. They're all talking to each other, and they are not talking to people in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and it's all about impressing themselves instead of just doing their job. So I've told you this before. I repurposed my dinner table for beer pong when I have people over for parties. All right, I play corn toss. I'm in three fantasy football leagues. That's not my that's not my crowd. That's the apple martini crowd. I drink straight Budweiser and not the light beer crap. I, I go with the real thing. Uh, I hate to say it, but I drink light beer because I'm older and fatter. So stop making fun of fat old people. I, oh, I, okay. All right. That, that was discriminatory. But I, I, I get this all the time. I go out in public and people say, wow, you're you're a lot taller in person and you're a lot skinnier in person and you're a lot. Wow. I, you're and whatever. I, you're a lot younger in person. I'm like, so I'm a fat, short, old guy in, in <laughs> on TV. What does that mean? It means that you take the what the judo and you, you could literally kill somebody. I don't do seconds. judo. I do mixed martial arts. Why does everyone say karate and judo? I don't know the difference, to be quite honest with you. What is the difference? Yeah, there's a huge It's an eclectic blend of, of different arts, basically how to win a fight in 30 seconds, stay in shape in the meantime, and uh, and break things. That's pretty much my martial arts study. I watched all three Karate Kids. That's the extent of my. Is, is that the extent of yours? Yeah. You know, if you, if you ever get in a room full of these other media people, like Eric Wimple and uh, what's the other, the pipsqueak, the wannabe Oberman over there at CNN and, and the rest of them, I met Mal- Oliver Darcy last night. Did you really? I did. Were you down? Downtown clubbing? Where do you stay, no, Oliver I, Darcy? No, I had to go to a Christmas party for my boss. I went to the Christmas party for my boss, and it was literally like the next block over. So I stopped by. Dan Abrams couldn't have been more gracious. I actually had a very good time, but I think people saw me walk in. They said, oh, "There he is! Oh my gosh! There's a real conservative that walked in." A lot of your journalist friends were there, right? I mean, yeah, I uh, got there later though. So, oh, good. So you were the sober one, and you got, the, you got <laughs> yeah, to tell pretty you what they much. Really thought about <laughs> but then I started mixing drinks. I can't help myself because my old bartending skills kick back in. Um, I got to give you credit about something else. You know, now they're they're talking all about this fake news nonsense. And, you know, where was the outrage over Obama's fake news peddling? And you did a great column and you gave a number of examples. Why don't you tell everybody? Sure. So on the Hill, I believe this was on Tuesday. Everybody's talking about fake news, as you said, right? And I said, well, what about fake narratives? What about false narratives that an, an administration willingly sells to reporters that are more than willing to buy it? And the most obvious one was involving Ben Rhodes. Now, who's Ben Rhodes? He's the deputy national security advisor. That's what KT McFarland's going to be, who, who will be leaving Fox News uh, as a result of that. Uh, ben Rhodes is also the brother of David Rhodes, who is the president of uh, CBS News, just in a, in a strange coincidence. So all that said, Ben Rhodes talks to the New York Times and openly boasts about how he can dupe reporters, how they're only 27 years old, how they know nothing about anything, and how we're going to sell this Iran as if we're talking to moderates over there instead of the mullahs who are really in control. And we're going to say this and that, and we know exactly what reporters to go to, and we know exactly which ones are going to say exactly what we want them to say. And you say, oh, come on, Joe, it doesn't really happen. Well, WikiLeaks proved that happened, right? I mean, yeah. we saw. By the way, are you and I like the only people in the media that paid any attention to WikiLeaks? Because it certainly seems a, a lot of the exposure of the media here was ignored by the media because it was all of them. Well, that's the thing, right? They'd be forced to cover what we talked about before, that little circle of friends that even if you don't work with them at your organization, oh, I can't cover John Harwood advising the Clinton campaign. He's a friend of mine. I saw him at a party a couple of weeks ago. I don't work for CNBC, but I can't call him out. I'm friends with this guy. And that was the problem. That's why it didn't get a lot of coverage, because that would force you to call out your own colleagues in media. 
media. But again, if you keep yourself out of that bubble, then you could take any shots that you want. And they were fair no. shots. I mean, they were all on paper. It's not like I was making it up. I was literally just doing stories on emails and quoting people like Donna Brazil saying, sometimes they get the questions in advance over at CNN. And she did it not once, but twice. The thing, Sean, yeah. the first time after uh, she was caught doing it, CNN didn't make any statement really saying she's no longer going to be allowed back in the network. It had to take the second time for that. Yeah. And by the way, to Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer, they can't write their own questions. They need to get the questions for Trump from the DNC. Yeah, that, that bothered me. And that, that just didn't happen at CNN. That happened with Politico. That happened at Washington Post with Dana Milbank. Yep. Uh, I mean, you could go on and on. And, and the New York Times. New York Times. Right, right. Quote approval, they, it's called, where you say, hey, I got this quote that I, when I did By the, the way, story you've written Hillary. stories about me. You never gave me quote approval. As a matter of fact, I've never gotten quote approval my entire life. Not Wouldn't once. Nice? Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to be story. able to rewrite the story before it goes out. Absolutely, because I usually don't like them. Yeah, right. So all, it, it kept happening. Again, this is all on paper, and it, and it was across the board. And whenever I would contact these organizations and I'd talk to the PR people, I'm like, so you can have, is there any sort of reprimand that's going to happen? And suspension? Is there going to be an apology? Contrition? Something? And they'd all give me the same excuse. Joe, this is just how it works. This is how we do research in this business. And if you weren't so naive, like they'd actually start to, you know, attack me personally, you would know this. And I'd say, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. If I'm interviewing Ted Cruz or Jeb Bush, why I would need to go to the DNC to get my questions. I could go Google it and find a thousand questions I could ask Ted Cruz, or maybe I just pay attention every day and I could just write down 10 uh, Cruz or Bush questions off the top of my head. Why do I need the DNC to help me with my research? It's such a lazy excuse. It it is so pathetic. You know, one time I had a, a, she was a young woman that was working for me on the show and you've been around my tv show a lot and i think you you have a pretty good idea of my style i just do my research every day and i don't prepare questions this way i prepare a certain number of questions in my head and then beyond that i try to listen to what the guests say and then go go from there the conversation right a conversation so this girl comes up and she was being very very nice she goes oh and by the way and mr hannity here are your questions and she hands me a list <laughs> And I look at them and I said, these are really very, very well thought out questions. I really appreciate it. I, and I said, but I don't need them. I said, that's my job. I do the questions here. Yeah. And what if the conversation takes away? Uh, uh, somebody you're interviewing says something outrageous. You've got to go back to your original question that you wrote down. So, no, it doesn't work that way. You well, you don't hear it because you're thinking about what the next question is. Precisely. Yeah. And that's funny when people say, hey, when you do a Hannity show or when you do whoever's show, I'm, I'm, I go in a lot of different places. Do you get the questions in advance? I go, there are no questions. <laughs> there are no questions. <laughs> I get the topic. I know what we're going to talk about, but that's the extent of it. And it's by the so way, how many fun. times do I go off topic? Almost every time. You? Oh, you're. I call you uh, Mr. Tangent in my notes. <laughs> Is that what you? Yeah, Mr. Well, T. listen, Mr. you've T. been one of the guys that has actually been fair to me, and and you, I appreciate it, and I love the fact that you're sort of an island unto yourself in, in the media criticism world, and and you'll go where a lot of these guys don't dare go because it's basically become a an insider echo chamber, and and the only people they're really talking to are themselves. Yeah, and I think it's an ideological thing also. They're, they're afraid that if they call out an Obama administration, like we were talking before, pushing fake narratives, right? Like they, they talk about Gruber too much. Remember Professor Gruber, who said lack of transparency is a huge political advantage and basically called the stupidity of the American voter or whatever, but basically that was really, really critical for getting Obamacare to pass. And no. now that's... Well, that was an outright lie I mean, and propaganda campaign. That is as fake news as you're going to get. Right. And, and no. but, but we didn't see a lot of coverage of that outside of like Fox no. News and some other outlets because, again, it then you're realizing that, oh my God. They wanted the to pass. Well, they wanted to pass, but the media reporters are just as compromised ideologically. No. In other words, they, they, they allow how they vote 
to, to sure. dictate how they report, to dictate the bias of omission, which means let's just not cover it and we don't well, really have I, to. I got to go, but these are often the very people that criticize me. But you want to know what the difference is, Joe? What's I, I'm honest about who I am. Everybody knows I'm a conservative. I'm not hiding it. Right. So, and all right, you man. take mixed martial arts. You're, you're, you're honest about that. Right. You're going to be important. a you're going to be a wise ass. And I don't really care. Anyway, <laughs> we love you. All right. Joe Concha, he's in the hill. It's definitely worth reading his columns. And we post some of them on Hannity. Kate is in Houston, Texas. Kate, hi. How are you? Welcome to the program. Sean, I have to tell you, this is like my Hollywood experience. You know, some people love to meet Brad Pitt, but I'm telling you, you are my Hollywood experience. I love you. Well, okay. so can so, I just say one thing, though? I mean, I'll even admit, Brad Pitt's kind of like a good-looking guy. I don't fit into that category, <laughs> but, you know, but I'll, but I'll take it as a compliment. So you're looking. saying you like my mind and my heart, and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> You're the full package, okay? You're the full thing. So, well, yesterday you were giving awards, right? Everybody in there is laughing right now. Stop laughing. (laughs) Kate has said the nicest things to me, and you people laugh. Now, that's really... They know. I've always said that you're the full package, boss. Every time I come into work, I'm like, my boss has the full package. All right, are you done? I'm never done. Did you want more? (laughs) It's Christmas bonus day, and I may just... Merry Christmas, you Mr. Package you. I get a bonus for that? I mean, this is awesome. This is like the best call of my life. Can you please send Kate Kate, we're going to wrap him up in a bow and take a picture of him and send him over to you. No, we're going to send her a Trump pen, which uh, has been the highest... that's really sexy. ...the highly coveted item of the year that I bought. Anyway, Kate, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, this is so much fun. Okay, so I have a couple of awards. You were giving out awards, and you got your award yesterday, but I want to give out some awards today. Okay. That's okay. So the biggest loser, the absolute biggest loser of the year goes to the media because they completely exposed... Actually, I want to say you completely exposed who they were. You and a handful that we can count on one hand exposed how absolutely ridiculous and corruptible these people were. And I, as an American woman, a conservative Christian, four children living as a transplant, I'm a Jersey girl transplanted into Houston, Texas, want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts because you helped this revolution happen. You got to receive that. All right. But they're the biggest loser. Can I tell you who I think the winner of the year is? Still going to tell you who I think, too. So go ahead. Okay. I actually think it's the American people that they were able. I would agree with that. Because the American people, look, I I tried to give the information about Obama in 07 and 08. And looking back now, there was no way I was going to win that because there was such a wave of hysteria. I don't have to pay gas in my car. I don't have to pay for my mortgage. If if I help you, you'll help me. And I mean, there was such hysteria. I couldn't break through the collective insanity that the nation was going through, you know, leading up to the 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 Greek columns speech in Denver. You were the only one that vetted him, though. You were the only one. I, I, I would like to say, and unfortunately, I was Right. Do you, you might remember this. I never thought this day would ever happen. I won't have to work about putting gas in my car. I won't have to work about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help him, Help me. I guess when you go to the gas station eight years ago, all you have to do is say, no, Obama sent me. It's just fill it up for free. Oh, there's such a blessing to see you, Mr. President. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Oh, gracious God. Thank you so much. I couldn't I couldn't overcome it. I tried so hard. I tried. I know. Oh. 
But you know what? This time you tried, and this time everybody tuned in and listened. And that's why you're the biggest winner. You changed the tide of the media. You really did. I mean, listen, unless it's not to insult you, because I've listened to you forever, and I totally love you. But maybe before, maybe 2008, they didn't know. Now everyone knows who Hannity is. Little kids, my children, are like, Hannity, Hannity. So listen, you changed the tide. Well, you made people listen and look at the whole context of quotes. Look at the whole context of all of the story. Not take these little snippets you know, that the corruptible news media put at our faces. Uh, let me tell you a little backstory to this. And I don't, I, I'm taking you as being very kind and nice, but I kind of look like we are all spokes in a wheel and everybody needs to be a spoke to make the wheel go round. And every spoke contributed to what happened this year. And I, I really believe that, you know, my job is just a little more public. I'm a little more outspoken. I think I was really out there on the biggest branch of the biggest tree on the smallest twig uh, hanging by a leaf. And my obituary, I promise, I promise you, my obituary was written by many, many people of Trump lost this year. And you know what, Kate? It did. I never thought about it. I don't care. Last night I was, well, yesterday I was picked by Mediaite is one of the top five media personalities in the entire country, which for them, I mean, over the years, we've had a pretty contentious relationship with Mediaite. Dan Abrams, right. who I've always liked, he doesn't run the site, he owns it, invited me to the party last night, and I said, you know what, I don't go to parties, but I'm going to go. And I went, yeah. and look at Linda's face. I didn't tell you because I knew that would be a reaction. So I went, I stopped by. Well, you didn't go to her wedding, remember? Exactly. Do you know, you're really killing me here. Now she's like, you, you have now made a <laughs> best friend forever. Kate, you and I are going to be bosom buddies oh, with Mr. Package. Let me tell you. I so, will work for you any day. I will I, move from Texas, oh, my friend. You know, we should hire Kate. Kate says Kate would be a great addition to this crazy crew of ours, and, and you certainly deserve a bonus for this call, but I'm only saying, so I went there last night, and the people, they're like, there's Satan. There he is. There, you can see in their eyes that they don't know what we conservatives stand for. You know, right. I'm really seriously considering going on The View, because there is a collective there is like almost a public meltdown going on there, and I want to help them. I really do. So I might do that. But listen, Kate, you've made my day. Thanks for listening to KTRH in Houston. God bless you. We love you. And uh, we- stay you. on the line because we're going we're gonna to send you a little gift, okay? Oh, you're so sweet. I'm going to send you Sherry's berries and a Trump pen. All right, so stay on the line. And happy, stro- those strawberries are the best. Berries.com. I'm telling you, love them. All right, Pam is in Hampton in Virginia. Pam, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi there. What's going on? It is a privilege to speak to you. I just want to tell you, please, whatever, do not go on The View. Do not, do not, do not. They are the worst people. They feel like if they yell the loudest, they are correct. They have no point. They just yell. And as a guest, I have seen it time and time and time again that once the guest starts talking, uh, I, I watched it, especially with Ann Coulter, as soon as she started talking, they started yelling. She could not hardly get a word in edgewise. And like I said, they have no point. There's no point to their conversation. Well, whatsoever. I have an idea what I want to do and why I want to maybe just break my rule one time and go on that okay. show. Number one, I was asked as a favor from a friend of mine that now works on it, Jedediah Bila, who worked at the Fox News Channel. Number right. one. Number two, I've known Whoopi for a long time. And uh, I've even known Joy Behar. I mean, she's so miserable. I've got, I'm going there to help them in a therapy sense, therapeutic sense. And I want to. They need it. And they're going to need it. And um, it's going to be like my Christmas gift to them. I haven't said yes yet, but I'm leaning towards a yes, which everybody on my staff is aghast that I'm saying this. But uh, I, I am too. <laughs> 
but you know, give me some credit. You, you, does everybody in there have no faith in me? What do you think? I'm going to go on there and get chewed up alive? So what? Who cares? Just the fact that you're going on, you're an outrage. Jeez. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Why? But you'll do it anyway. I, I agree totally. If they called Newt, Stalin, and Hitler, what are they going to say about you? Okay. Who cares? Who cares what they but, say? You know, but, do, well, do, I mean, do you not? Do, because they're losing, you know, daily. Pam, I uh, just, I actually think it'll be my outreach, my Christmas gift to liberals. I will try it and give them peace of mind that who was on the view that said our uteruses are in jeopardy. I'm telling you, there's a collective. <laughs> probably all of them. But they, somebody right. was reported somewhere that somebody was worried about their uterus. And I want to go and assure them that it's going to be fine. And that's my purpose. Well, I, yeah, all right. I I'm sorry. I will take everybody's there. anger and angst and shock and awe against me and take it under consideration. OK, now, I have every confidence that you can do it and and do it well. All right. It's just being heard over the winches. You know, I, collectively, I have one underwear smarter than they are. Oh, and they just oh that's so mean. On. It's funny, but it's mean. All right, listen, let not your heart be troubled, Pam. I'll be nice. I'll be fine. And what, Jason? Uh, you'll go on. You, you'll take everything that we've told you, and you'll toss it in the trash and do what you want to do anyway. You know what this, the difference between me and all of you in there are? I'm not being a sore winner. You know, I, I actually can identify with how horrible they feel. You guys don't remember. I was kind of invested in 07, 08, and 2012, and I lost. And for all the people that say, oh, Hannity, you guys in talk radio, you have so much power and influence. We need to control it in government. Well, if I had that much power and influence, I could have stopped that lunatic girl that thought her gas was going to be for free and that she wouldn't have to worry about her mortgage any go- anymore. I never thought this day would ever happen. I won't have to worry about putting gas in my car. I won't have to worry about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help him, he's going to help me. If I help them, okay. hi, I'm here on the Obama phone gas plan. I get a free phone and I get my gas tank filled for free. And by the way, I'm looking forward to getting my mortgage check paid for me. Who thinks this way? But they actually believed it. Anyway, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm thinking of helping them. I'm just thinking this is like to be a Christmas gift from Hannity to the left. That's how I'm looking at it. You're going to show off your ninja stuff, aren't you? That's what no, you're no, going to no, do. No. Eventually, uh, eventually, what they'll be like, what do you think of Obama? <laughs> you know what I can do? I can break a board with my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's terribly interesting. I actually don't do board breaking, but uh, the funny thing is, I, what do you think I'm going to do? Go on and show my ninja skills to the, to the ever so strong and tough women of the view? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You what can't is help. wrong you, with you? Are you, you trying to yourself. say that the women of the view are not strong? Are you trying to say that because they're women, they would be unable to defeat you? I am saying that they... I could see that as being very sexist. I know Sean. I know the women of the view. I am very... Why don't we set up a little one-on-one with you and Joy Behar? Let's see how strong <laughs> she really is. If you do that, I fully support this, um, this uh, uh, no, appearance. I, you know, my father from a very young age... Now, my sisters, when I was really, really young, they were able to beat me up. And it wasn't that long thereafter. The youngest son became the strongest in the family. And then all of a sudden, where they never got in trouble for beating on me, as soon as I could take them on, you know, if I went near my sisters with any type of retaliation, my father was there with the belt. Don't ever hit your sisters, ever. But, but these women are feminists. They believe that they are equal in every playing field and that they Linda, would probably how many welcome years that you challenge. Do you, do you think I would ever raise a hand to a woman? Ever. Never. It's never happening. What if happening. you were contractually obligated because of no, your I'm parents? Not, I'm not, I'm not what if I drafted that contract today and sent it over to the view? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, even if people throw punches at me, if it's a woman throw them, I'm just going to block them. That's all. I'm, I'm not going to use any offensive measure whatsoever. It's just the way I was raised. And just like You're I was raised. You're going to ask Joy to hit you in the stomach, right, and see what happens? No, I'm not going to ask Joy Check to hit me in the core. stomach. Check out my core. My core is solid. <laughs> yeah. 
Are you guys done? Are you all having fun in there? Sunshine, why are you being so quiet laughing in there? No, your core is solid. You let me hit you all the time. <laughs> That's I told you. Well, you want to hit me because I call your dog stupid, and your dog is kind of, the treat is not that bright. It's St- a good trade-off. Stanger, the dog is dumb. The dog cannot and will I not think ever be a service of, dog. Of the six of us in here, you're defeated on that, that, that okay, comment. But I'm only going to say this one thing. I want the dog to fail because I want the dog to be a Hannity show dog. So I'm actually saying I love the dog so much I don't want it to go, and I'm even willing to invest in another dog that maybe is a little smarter and a little more trainable. I the- love her, but she deserves to give someone who okay. in need a It's chance. never going to happen because that dog is way too hyper. And that dog does not listen to you. Even when you feed it food, it listens Stop. to me. No, no, that's not true. You're she sitting does there. listen. She's treat, very focused. Treat. Don't, don't, don't jump on Uncle Sean. Don't jump on him. And you're he handing the, the dog food. the dog was too lethargic to pass, and now this one Yeah, is but too that dog bored me to death. No, well, the other one I thought was fine. I mean, if you know, you need a dog that wants to lay around all day, that's perfect. But, you know, you need somebody that wants to live a more sedentary lifestyle. I wouldn't actually pick the very act. I wouldn't pick a very active person for the last dog. But this dog is not going to make it. So I'm just preparing you psychologically, emotionally, for what's going to be a very, very disappointing day for you. But there's an upside, and the upside is I am willing to take on all the responsibility and all the cost of making this the Sean Hannity Show dog. Treat could be the Sean Hannity Show dog. And you can take Treat home most nights. I'll take it home occasionally to let it play with real dogs. It's a she. Whatever, it. It's a dog. She costs $50,000. You want to buy her? Well, if I pay the money, are you going to give up this notion that it has any chance of passing? The dog's not going to pass. Linda, be honest. Is that dog going to pass? Honest. You're always honest. I'm always honest. I always tell it the way it is. Is Come that on. how I sound? Yeah, Good that's God. how you sound. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Miss Honesty, Miss Brutal Honesty. I feel that. The- I'll never lie to you, ever. <laughs> I, I, that dog isn't going to pass. I, I feel that that treat may have some... Uphill climbs. (laughs) Now, Ethan, is that dog going to pass? No way. I I would not put money down that she will pass. Jason, is that dog? Jason Jason is smart. He actually cordons off an entire area in the control room so the dog can't get over by you. The dog's not always as disciplined as it could be, but you don't don't help. What do you mean I don't help? I walk in the room, it dives on me. You can't have a service dog that dives on you. None of us really help. I mean, we're basically sabotaging our efforts. Let's just be open about that. She's the underdog. You always root for the underdog. Okay, I'm rooting for for the underdog to be our show dog, and I will be very proud. I'll pay for all the veterinary bills. I'll pay for all the, the food and anything the treat needs. I love treat. treat. I love that dog. That dog has spirit in life. The last one was half awake, and it was just like sleeping all the time. Get up, and everybody like, oh, you really going to make me stand? Oh. Now, that was the perfect service dog because it just wanted to lay there. Treat is, you know, she's spunky like my dog. My dog's dive on me every night, and one of them's 115 pounds. Boom. It's like she tries to Tackle me as soon as I get in the house licking my face. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.